Hey, Gridiron Gallery listeners, Zach Kyleman here. You may be wondering when you listen to this episode, why are they talking about Le'Veon Bell as if he wasn't already picked up by the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, the truth is, when we recorded this episode, we thought that he would take another day or two to get picked up somewhere in the NFL. And it turns out the Kansas City Chiefs were the first one that came and knocking right after we recorded. So, think of this as a hypothetical for where we could have thought he would have gone. But, without further ado, here's the latest episode of Zach, Tony, and Grimberg on Gridiron Gallery. Welcome one, welcome all to another edition of Gridiron Gallery. I'm your host, Zach Kyleman, in as always. Today we have another special episode, an NFL episode, recapping weeks four and five of the NFL season with myself, Tony Stenielsen, and Michael Grimberg. And before we really jump in, I want to get a little housekeeping uh, out of the way, as I did last episode. So, uh, me, Tony, and Michael, we had a nice little discussion after the last episode and said, Hey, so what do you say we do these every maybe two weeks? You know, we, we get a little recap for a two-week session. It's enough time to where we can get a really wide range of topics together and we can, you know, put something that's more of a sit-down-and-discuss type of episode together for the NFL. And so we – and also gives us time because we also live busy lives outside of this show. And so we decide, yeah, sure. So – Trust me, every, every other Friday starting this week and moving onward, so this is week five of the NFL season, we will do week seven next and then nine and so on, uh, you'll get us as an episode, and then in between that you'll get myself, maybe interviews, maybe not, you know, if you like just me, that's fine, otherwise it's us three moving on every other two weeks. And I want to bring these guys in, of course, Tony, Michael, good to hear from both of you again. Um, I was really happy that, you know, we got to get this arrangement together and I'm happy that we're back on the show as always. I always love discussing the NFL and just our different fan bases in general. So uh, as always with these episodes, I always like to do a little bit of a recap, uh, of course, for each one of us um, to start off. We'll kick things off with Tony and the Dallas Cowboys uh, Tony, what is new with you in particular, and how are your Cowboys doing? I mean, we we did see something go on, of course, last week that we all had to cringe at, but we'll discuss more in detail. What? How is the team doing as a whole? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think the team's doing too great as a whole, um, especially after what happened this past week. But uh, going into, what was that, week three? Um, mm-hmm. Going into the Browns game. And, uh, you know, I was feeling pretty high. I was feeling pretty, uh, pretty optimistic that, you know, the Browns weren't for real and that the Cowboys, you know, they have the better offense and could outshoot them. Uh, as Dallas loves to do to me, uh, they got down by 20 and then they decided to come back and pull it within three and with about four minutes left. So naturally, my heart rates through the roof. Um, I was originally going on like a two week hiatus from drinking, um, you know, having those Sunday brews. And then, uh, I had to crack a couple open because that game just gave me so much stress. Mm. Um, during that game, you know, we had a chance to get the ball back and keep that as a three point game. And I don't know if anybody saw it, the 46 or 50 yard run by Odell Beckham. Um, after he was almost caught almost 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage by Alden Smith. And on the ensuing extra point, it got blocked. Somehow managed to get 
touched by Jalen Smith and then ended up in the end zone for a two point conversion. So that was week four. And I am still stunned about what happened during that week. Um, Week five against the Giants. I mean, the 0-4 Giants, you know, I'm feeling good. You know, it's finally a division win that we can definitely easily get. Um, and then, as we all saw, Dak Prescott, the guy who was going to lead the league in yardage, was going to probably, you know, at least contend for the MVP, um, broke his ankle. Yeah. And I've never cringed so hard in my life after seeing that replay and i have no idea why nbc decided to reshow it because that i i almost threw up from that yeah that that was pretty ugly i i was i was watching that live on television and my my friend thought it was just you know he was holding his leg normally he's like no man that that's that's pointing like 45 degrees the opposite direction there it was not good yeah he was starting to like hit it against the ground to get it to move back into place um, oh. from what I saw. So just thinking about it is making me queasy too. But if I look at it stat wise, you know, we pulled out the win against the Giants, thanks in large part to and I can't believe I'm about to say this, the red rifle of <laughs> Andy Dalton. <laughs> and Michael and obviously Michael Gallup with two phenomenal catches, but we end up winning that game. Luckily, after, you know, everything could have gone wrong and we're sitting at two and three with a lot to work on and a lot of uncertainty regarding the, you know, moving forward for the rest of the season. How certain are you with the red rifle before before we continue? Because that's that was something that I'm kind of curious as how they'll be under that offense. Dalton has Dalton has performed well with a lot of weapons and this Cowboys offense is very much stack still so um, i just want to see what do you think is the perspective or at least the output that you see with andy dalton under center um i actually think we're gonna go back to doing something that we should have been doing all season and that's uh running the ball more yeah. uh, i i think there's still some uncertainty with how accurate andy can be um so i think the offense will get back to that we're gonna pound the run and then play action into some passes um he looked he looked crisp in in his time covering for Dak at the end of this you know the Giants game so you know he's finally got an offensive a halfway decent offensive line you know our offensive line is taking a few hits this season um but he's got a good line he's got the offensive weapons now it's just on him to step up to the plate and prove himself Fair enough, and I'm I definitely have more points I actually am going to bring up later on. When we talk more Dak Prescott because I, I have a I have a theory I will say one you might not like, but I have a theory what might what could happen here. Uh, Michael, uh, you have quite a bit to discuss as well. I mean, trust me. Besides besides really not me, it's really Tony and Michael's uh, fandoms that really have the most to talk about. I think right now, um, you get to start with a clean slate. Am, slate, am I not right, Michael? Oh yes, you are one hundred percent right. <clears throat> yeah, um, I'm not even going to get into the Monday night game against Green Bay because that was just atrocious and it's in its own right. Um, let's just move on to the meat and potatoes of everything. How about that, huh? All right, that's fair. Um, that's fair. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so 
I didn't get to watch the Carolina game, but the end result was a nice firing, a due diligence of firings that should have been done last year, but better late than never. Am I right? Hey, you're Um, not wrong. Yeah. So, but other than, other than the main topic I'll get into, um, I liked the, I liked seeing the positive of Todd Gurley consistently getting the rock throughout the game of the, against the Panthers. Uh, he had 14 carries for 121 yards and I, that's what I wanted when we signed him. And that's what we're getting right now. And he did well during the Packers game as well. And uh, that's what we need. Consistent run game flow into the uh, play action, but mm-hmm. that's not, that's not really going our way right now. But, um, and another player that had a really nice game was Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Eight catches for 136 yards. He's been putting up some, <clears throat> excuse me, some uh, really good games so far, other than the um, Green Bay game. He kind of got shut down, but um other than that, he's been doing very well this year, and I'm very pleased. And um, I don't see why he won't be a thousand yard receiver this year, like at least by week 11. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm really liking both of their development in our offense, but <clears throat> that's not what we're going to talk about. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, after after the game. Against Carolina, they, meaning Arthur Blank, thought it was finally time to fire head coach Dan Quinn and general manager Thomas Dimitrov after our 23-16 loss, uh, making us 0-5. It's better late than never, but here we are. And uh, I don't think the the firings, I'm surprised that they didn't happen uh, later in the year, like during the bye week or even at the end of the season, because in the past it hasn't been like that. So I wouldn't have any other reason to believe otherwise. So, yeah. So so what now is what's going on with Atlanta? Uh, we promoted our defensive coordinator, uh, Raheem Morris, to mm-hmm. our interim head coach. Uh, following the loss, and I'm telling you, it's better than any choice that's in that on that staff right now. Because I'm I'm just so glad they didn't pick Dirk Cutter. Not that not that Raheem Morris is any better, but at least he has a better uh, experience as a head coach, and yeah. um, he has a better. I feel like he has a better attitude about what he wants to do for this team, and uh, he's got 11 games to do it, and. Arthur Blank, I guess I don't know if it's it sounded jokingly enough that if he wins all eleven games, he's gonna be the next he's gonna be the next head coach, which it clearly is not gonna happen and would not happen. Would it? When it does. Please tell me no. <laughs> See, that's the that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me no. I've had enough. <laughs> uh, the pain continues, Michael. Yeah, I know oh, it. You, but, look, I. I got to ask you, man, do you, and we'll we'll, of course, get into candidates in a second. But for the, whoever gets hired here, do you want the roster to be blown up or do you want it to be retooled? I think at first my anger 
wants me to just blow it up. But stepping back and thinking about it, I feel like, you know, I think Matt Ryan still has a few good years left in him. And Julio definitely does if he can stay healthy. Okay. Which which is fine. I, I feel like you can't get rid of your your franchise players like that. I mean they, they did their time and I mean, yeah, I guess you could get some some pretty draft picks from it, but um it would be pretty tough to see them both uh in different uniforms if it came to that. Yeah. Uh, for next season for a, from a fan perspective. Um, I know, I know I would hate it. That's the reason that their winning culture started and kind of sustained through the, uh, the 2010s. And, and I mean, I know they didn't get it done long-term, but, but they, they've done a lot better than a previous decades have and and I'm pleased to have been able to witness it but you know part of me does want <laughs> want them to clean house and just new offensive coordinator defensive coordinator just trade everybody get tank for Trevor you know what I'm saying like <laughs> how you've seen all everyone's already saying it like you know but um it is what it is and just kind of circling circling back to uh, Thomas Dimitrov too, because I didn't get to talk about him right. nearly as much as I should have. Um, I know he's he's had some success, but not too much success, especially during when he's drafted. He like I'm thankful for what he's done, but I'm not thankful for what he's done in 12 years. Um, yes, he brought in Matt Ryan during the ugly days after Michael Vick. And yes, he did bring in Julio Jones, but that trade for Julio Jones, he gave up five draft picks for that mm-hmm. one guy. That's right. At that time, I was not very happy about because, I mean, that's that's a lot of draft capital for one guy. And I mean, yeah, I if I would have known what I know now and what the Browns were going through, picking terrible, terrible talent, then I would have been like, yeah, that's a good trade. But at that time, heck no, you can't. You can't say that that's a good trade, um, but he pulled the trigger on it, and he—I mean, he took the win on that one. I'll give him that. But you know, he—he he really didn't hit on any defensive players other than I would say Grady Jarrett. That's about—that's about all I can really say. He—he he never really—he never really coined in and stepped up for this defense that we could have had. And possibly could have helped us seal the deal to win the Super Bowl in uh, in 2017 there 2016 2017 season. So I it's it's hard to say like how I feel about him because he has brought a whole lot of uh, franchise players to Atlanta, but what he could have brought in probably would have been just as good if not better and it is what it is and you can't turn it back now. It's, it's on to the next. Yeah, it's on, it's on, definitely on to the next thing. Um, you know, it's funny. The NFL has built so much on what if stories a lot of times. And yeah, I mean, you can always go back and kind of ask that same question if you want is, you know, what would happen if maybe who, if you don't pay, trade with those five picks for Julio, you know, but you also, I mean, right. I do, I do say one thing. Um, 
and, and before I wrap my section on the Bears and we go into actually uh, at least candidates for these positions is, you know, we look back at least at Dimitrov and, you know, he uh, he was definitely one of the key can key pieces of getting the Falcons moving past the post Michael Vick era, because, I mean, that was a very ugly time for that oh, yeah. franchise right there. So it's it's kind of weird, I imagine, for you, like you're saying, you, you have a lot of good memories at least with him, and I would say at least with Dan Quinn for a few years, but, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes things just turn sour or just, you know, you lose, as a coach or a GM, you lose your way. And it looks like that's just the case this year in particular is both of them just have finally uh, hit where it's uh, needing, you need to hit the reset button on your career maybe, uh, especially yeah. Dan Quinn, I think. It's time for him to start from the bottom again or at least back to a coordinator's position, you know. I agree. Um, yeah, and we'll look. We'll talk with candidates or talk about candidates in a second because I mean, Michael, you're going to lead off. I imagine you already have some ideas since the, since the firings were now announced uh, at the end of week four. Um, from now for me, uh, weeks three and four have been pretty nuts. Uh, week three, I was kind of a little, I guess, over anticipating what could happen. Or well, actually, yeah, I was over into ah, actually it's week five. Jesus, this is week five. Required recap. Four and five. I'm mixing it up. Week four, I was definitely over anticipating what was going to happen against Indianapolis. Um, did not expect it to be an entire train wreck, although I didn't expect it to be as incompetent as it was for Chicago. Nick Foles didn't look like he was ready. The offense was out of sync. The defense at times just didn't look like it was ready to play. The entire the entire organization looked unprepared to go against Indianapolis. Uh, just all phases of the game were off. I was definitely distraught. Um, I remember my dad, while I'm watching the game with him, saying, we need to put Mitch Trubisky right back in. And I'm going, okay, we, we have, <laughs> we can, we've just decided to really go off the deep end really quick, haven't we? Um, I, I was a little more level-headed than that. I said, you can't – and many others were like this too, you, that were analysts in the Chicago Bears type of – or at least the Chicago media. You can't switch back in one week, and I'm the same way. Uh, and, of course, next week in, or four days later in Tampa – or against Tampa in Chicago – you know, we bring Tom Brady in. Game starts off kind of rough, similar as Indianapolis, but somehow you have a minute and 12 span where the defense comes up clutch after a long scoring drive from Nick Foles and company, and right back at it, one-handed catch from Jimmy Graham. They come right back into the game, up one, and then it's a defensive uh, slugfest in the second half. A lot of penalties, of course, but Chicago was a little more level-headed than Tampa Bay and made just enough great plays to win the game, especially Nick Foles. Foles down the stretch, uh, the final drive he had to allow Cairo Santos to convert a game-winning field goal. I was really impressed at some of the throws, some nice wheel routes, some nice decision-making to David Montgomery or Cordell Patterson. Um, He definitely has more command of the offense, in my opinion. It's just, dude needs to get some more refinement. And he's going to have 10 days coming into week six, and that's going to be against Carolina, which I am not underestimating the Panthers. They look like a more legitimate contender now. They seem to have more of their offense and their scheme underneath them now to where they can control it better. Uh, but Nick Foles in 10 days, I would suspect there's better chemistry. You get a little more better consistency with play calling and more of the kind of chemistry between you and the coach coaching as well, especially Matt Nagy, which at one point in that contest on Thursday night, you saw Foles complaining to Matt Nagy because – he wanted to run up tempo. Nagy stopped the tempo. And that's just one of those things between a quarterback and a coach you need to get used to. I mean, we got to remember Foles was on the pra- was more on the practice squad or at least the ty- or at least the type of like scrimmage squad that is 
for the secondary or practice squad players for preparing for games. He really hadn't been taking snaps with the first team for a while. So just getting him up to speed more, you know, I saw flashes of that in week in week five. I also saw a defense that looked like its old self. Cleo Mack finally showed up, and I've been really frustrated lately with him. Uh, Robert Quinn made a few plays. Kyle Fuller has been dominant. And honestly, this secondary is looking pretty impressive. Jalen Johnson coming out of Utah, him compared – I mean, there were two second-round picks the Bears made. He has definitely looked like the more valuable one compared to Cole Komet. And I'm very happy that they were able to use him across from Fuller. I mean, I was worried about losing Prince of Mukamara, but – you know, I'll tell you right now, Jalen Johnson's the real deal. They're two of the highest, him and Kyle Ford, two of the highest rated corners in the NFL right now, and it's paying off. I have hopes. It's a 4-1 team that still, I think, looks like a pretender, but with a few more quality wins, I think the Bears are on the right way, right path. I just need to see better consistency between head coach and quarterback is my deal. Yeah, I agree with that. That's That was I perfectly said. I, I couldn't agree more, and the Jalen Johnson thing is – really key too. they they had to hit on one of those second round picks after not having that first and i mean maybe cole Komet will key in later on but i mean that yeah you you nailed it for sure yeah Komet. i'll say that i miss robert quinn uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm it's funny Tony, I'm needing more production. One thing I got frustrated with him, because he did have a nice fumble recovery, and he was on top of the ball there when Kyle Fuller knocked knocked, that, knocked out a potential incomplete pass that really was a fumble. Um, I just keep seeing the same move from him. usually tries to go outside. I wasn't very creative on in week five. Maybe it's still that he needs to – he's been on the injury report several weeks, so maybe he's still not completely healthy. But, I mean, I'm telling you, if he can just – He's definitely the more ideal outside edge rusher that, you know, Leonard Floyd was not. Um, yeah. I, I, don't know if a, I don't know if that was a thing that was in Dallas or what, but, you know. It really was. I mean, between him and Tank, uh, he was more of the speed rusher. Um, and, I mean, Demarcus Lawrence is more of the, you know, I'm going to make a move and make you look like a fool. Um, but Robert Quinn, I mean, he led the team last year in sacks, so. I mean, maybe he's just using what was working well in Dallas, and you know, maybe the injury does play a little bit of a part to it. But I mean, once he, if he gets healthy, man, that's going to be a dominant edge in Chicago between him and Cleo Mack. It's like, who do you double up? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that's that's what they brought him in for. Seventy million dollar man across from a well over hundred million dollar man in Cleo Mack. You know, it's one of the most expensive lines in the NFL. So you got to expect production week in and week out. And they're still top 10 defense in a lot of statistical categories. The run game does worry me, but hopefully they can make some adjustments to figure out what's going on with that because there's been, I mean, when they gave up 100 yards to Ronald Jones, Jones has gotten better this year, but the Bears have had a little bit of a leaky run defense that's going to have to be corrected. I'm watching out for that in particular in the next two weeks. Uh, moving on with the conversation, Michael, I did hint, Obviously, we have you have to get candidates in for coach and GM over in Atlanta. So I want to give you the first crack. I got my own ideas. Tony probably has his, but who should fill these roles? Uh, I was saying that even even before they were getting fired, I I still think the guy deserves a head coaching job, and he probably should have got one last year after they won the Super Bowl and Eric Bieniemy, and I mean. 
what more can you really say? He's he's already proven it. I mean, he's already he's part of the Andy Reid tree already. And <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, he, he's ready for a head coaching gig. It, I mean, he's he's holding the same exact play sheet as Andy Reid. He's helping him make the plays. I mean, it helps that he has the the pretty good uh, Patrick Mahomes under center there. But uh, you know, he he's he's had his experience handling generational talents. Like just looking at his history, just researching him, he's he's a running back coach, and he's been doing it for really good running backs. Oh, you might have heard of. Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was his first running back coach back in his Viking days. And uh, during that time, he had four consecutive 1,200 rush yard seasons and 42 rushing touchdowns. Like, that's production if I've never seen it, you know. And, uh, you know, if, if he can get back to that form, if he can get back to, like, helping – a running back get to that form. Todd Gurley is right there waiting for you. He, get him back to his all all pro form. Oh yeah. From like oh man, he's just waiting. He's just it's just a perfect pair. And like of course he had the impact that he has had with Patrick Mahomes. And you know he does deserve that credit that he helped him uh, reach that plateau. And he's gonna skyrocket through that plateau he's gonna keep going and going and um i just i just keep hearing good things about him and what better situation to come into than to come into atlanta where i mean you already have a a veteran quarterback and you already have a veteran running back and you have weapons on the outside and the only thing you really have to worry about is a defense which is an excellent segue into my gm So, yes. So who I thought would be a good GM is a familiar face in the booth would be Lewis Riddick. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. And uh, he I had to look him up a little bit. He used to play defensive back, ironically enough, in Atlanta. How weird. Um, Yep, that's right. uh, And I I, I just love hearing him on TV and watching him, how he talks about talks about the game he's so knowledgeable and um and just even after he retired from football he stayed in football he decided to get experience in his front office um <clears throat> excuse me um in front offices and he has that experience he started in 2001 with Washington and kept that going till 2007 and then in 2008 he went uh with the Eagles as a scouting director and i mean it's not a ton of experience, but it's it's a lot more than a lot other ones have. And I feel like a lot of other options, excuse me, have. And I feel like a defensive-minded general manager, I mean, I think anything's better than what we got now. So why not try something different? You know, he he's remained close to the game. And, you know, he has a great football mind and he can succeed right out of the booth. I mean, Mike Mayock did it and John Lynch is doing it like 
why can't he do it? Like, yeah. bring those talents down to Atlanta, man. We need you. <laughs> so we, yeah. we need somebody. Why not him? I mean, he's he's got the case, and it, I think it would be a good pair with with uh, Eric Bieniemy. So um, that's that's what I'm going for. Yeah, I think that's a good choice. Yeah, I get I get maybe Yin and Yang, you know. Obviously, yeah. Bieniemy being more offensive minus, so and you get Lewis Reddick. Um, you know, you get, and if you get them on the same page, obviously, when you you know going into draft and of course free agent market, that might help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as well having a connection to the Atlanta market, not a bad call. You know, especially right. with Lewis Reddick, that would be a good one I think to relate back to the fan base. Uh, honestly, I was going to go with Bieniemy as well. Here's the thing, Bieniemy just as a just as a synopsis, and I think a lot of people in NFL circles or fandoms know the enemy is probably the top coaching candidate this year if he's not i think a lot of us are going to riot in the streets just for that because (laughs) the guy the guy felt got robbed many of us felt got he felt he got robbed last year not getting a coaching spot this is the height of his stock as a coach so i believe he definitely should get a chance um I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna side with you on Bienemy as well, but I will switch the GM conversation a little because I do like Lewis Riddick. I I kind of see Lewis Riddick as similar to what Mike Mayock was a few years ago going to the mm-hmm. Raiders. You know, TV analyst. You know, is has ex- expertise in the field, but you know, went more to the television side, got a little away from the sport a bit, but also was connected to it. Got an outside viewer's perspective is what I'm is what I take it as. You know, and right. so Mayock jump back in, jumps back in. And so far, so good, I think, in, at least in the Raiders. This year in particular, I think, is is starting to pay dividends right now with him and John Gruden. Um, but I'm going to stick to more of the traditional sense of GM. You know, I'm looking at, like, director of player personnel or, like, vice president type of type of uh, candidates as well. So I'm going to stick, since, since you have BNME, and I also have BNME, I'm going to stick with... If it's one Kansas City guy, maybe they can pluck two Kansas City guys. So my candidate is Mike Borgonzi, who is the Kansas City Chiefs director of football operations out there in Kansas City. Obviously, he has seen a winning culture that that Andy Reid and company have built out there. So he definitely knows how to, I would say, analyze talent and possibly build a roster as well. Um, I mean, he's worked under Brett Veach, again, one of the best general managers in the game, too. Uh, so we can't underestimate that as well. As well, um, the one thing <laughs> that I will say, and I don't think this will apply as much, um, he technically, and I mean really technically, is part of the Bill Belichick coaching tree. And this would be for GM instead. But you know, you you kind of get worried just because of the curse and all that. But really, can you get can you get worried too much when you're restarting? I don't think so. Um, yeah. <laughs> but overall, I mean, the guy the guy has been working with winning culture. Whether it's been in New England, whether it's been in Kansas City, seeing the monumentous rise of the Chiefs in the last several years and just how to analyze talent, I think you've had to have learned something if you've worked under Brett Veach and if you've had to work with Andy Reid. Plus, like I said, having the familiarity of having one work with the other, I'm sure Biennemi has met Brett, has met Borgonzi before and they two have talked at least at some point. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a good idea to have two from a similar organization, a similar mindset if not football style i think when you have them coming from the same place i don't think that's a bad idea also you know if you want to if you want me to say if i'm well if i am going to say this um for the most part the kansas city chiefs are pretty balanced team so i think even though you could claim the chiefs are an offensive minded organization they have built their defense last year to where it was championship caliber i think a lot of people slept on that I think even with how the Raiders played them last week, I think they still are 
for the most part, championship caliber. So you can all around, I think, get the perfect mold to try and start this organization, whether it is retooling with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Todd Gurley and uh, company, or if it's just like I was saying, you know, trade away the pieces, blow it up and start from the ground up. Cause I think overall, both of them can fit whichever mold you wanted to fit and whatever art Arthur blank feels is best for the team's direction. Yeah, I agree. I, that, that was actually my pick for uh GM as well, Zach. So you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, I'm not going to, beat a dead horse over that one though um i'll be honest with you my head coaching looking at the uh, the options for head coaching i want to go against the grain here and it's a guy who's always in the head coaching conversations when's josh mcdaniel's no 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 oh no (laughs) no no i I gotta do it so tony it's gonna be speak i'm sorry but i'm not okay you know I'm going to shut up, and we'll shut up. I want to hear it. Just, just go ahead. It's fine. I mean, <laughs> I mean he's an offensive-minded guy. You've got a good offense in Atlanta. Why not try to utilize that and try to get him over there? I mean, when he backed out of the Colts, they had some pieces, but they didn't have as many good pieces that Atlanta has. So, you know, maybe this is the year that Josh McDaniels pulls the trigger and becomes a head coach. I hope Maybe. you're wrong. <laughs> I hope you're Listen, wrong. I don't like myself for saying <laughs> it there, but somebody had to say it. That's right. Uh, man. He, he is, uh, Devil's advocate is a real pain. <laughs> well, look, D- Tony, if anything will be consistent with him, at least he knows how to trade a QB away if you wanted to blow it up. So, hey, I mean, that's... I know from experience, but that doesn't mean that it was good experience all the time. So, you know. <laughs> That's true. That's I'm true. Just saying, God, the Belichick curse though it looms so large, Tony. It just I, sits, I it sits right there. But, you know, maybe he's the curse breaker. I don't know. Somebody's got to got to got to be that devil that's advocate, man. I don't know. Jeez, who? Okay, so who the who in the world? So who in this world would be a would be the guy over his shoulder giving him these pieces to win a championship? Then. <laughs> uh, I was with you on. Uh, God, I am always bad pronouncing names. Uh, I, I think it's Borgonzi. I I, I I feel like I butchered it too, but, you know. Yeah, I'm with you on Borgonzi. I like the guy, um, especially because, you know, if he's that offensive mindset, you know, give it to Josh McDaniels, give him more some offensive pieces. You know, maybe you don't need a defense to win a championship. Just they'll all just lay down on the ground and be like, <laughs> you can go ahead. <laughs> John Gruden heard that and he flinched in his seat or whatever he's doing right now. He like just sense the disturbance of you just saying that one sentence. Listen, if I make Chucky flinch, I'm taking that as a win and I'm retiring it now. I tell you what, man, I'm going to find that Tony, man. <laughs> he's, he, he thinks he's going to get a win with no defense. That's wrong, man. I, I won an 0-2 with the Bucks. I had to have defense, man. I think Brian Johnson was going to win me a championship. No, that ain't happening. <laughs> Derek Brooks, man. Derek Brooks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I need a Ronde Barber, man. I need him. Yep. Yeah, I need, that. What, what's an offense? <laughs> what oh, is an offense? Warren Sapp would have been my quarterback if I didn't have Brad Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Defense is the only thing that matters. 
which is it is kind of funny though because he is like a quarterbacks he also is a quarterbacks coach of course but uh, yeah yeah um okay tony that's that's a take take. (laughs) i come with the hottest of takes it's fine i mean i'm i'm I'm, I'm sweating already (laughs) 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 fine yeah i mean yeah look josh had to had to be brought up that's fair I, you know, I again the the Belichick curse is all that worries me, and just the, just some of his track record, you know. But uh, you're absolutely right; he's going to be looked in the eyes, you know. Uh, I think he'll he'll have a chance as well. Um, and yeah, you know, I think all these are good options. I, this is the thing, I, you know. Atlanta has quite a plethora to look at. I think there's a lot of at least good. There's a really high caliber of talent. I think that you can look at for any of these coaching gigs that are going to be open. I mean, Jesus Christ, Houston, you got Atlanta. You know, you know, I mean, New York, both. I mean, yeah, New York Jets are definitely going to be some point. I imagine the Lions, I think, are going to have both the GM and the coach fired yeah. by the end of the year. Uh, I say good luck if you are Matt Patricia or Bob Quinn, because I highly doubt you're going to have your seat left at the mm-hmm. time that whatever week the ending of the season is, which, man, I mean, that's that's another conversation that we'll have later in this episode. But for the time being, you know. Yeah, like I said, it's kind of like it's kind of has like a bad news vibe this this episode, doesn't it? You know, because we got we got the coaching candidates, which you know, sure, yeah, it's probably nicer that you'll get a reset, but also still kind of 0 and 5. So unfortunately, Eesh. Mike Lee got to deal with that for t- this year. And then you know, Dallas, like Tony, you mentioned, yeah. Jack Prescott, you know, the ugly injury, he's out. Contract scenario is kind of up in the air for next year. They have much franchise tag. They could do it again. It's going to be $37 million if they do it next year. Um, mm. Tony, do you do that? Do you give him a contract? Do you look the other way? What do you do if you are the Jones family and you're looking at Dak Prescott's recovery and timetable moving into next season? Dak Prescott is a man full of heart, determination, and possibly some sheer stubbornness. Um if I'm the Jones family, I'm looking how loyal they've been to their quarterbacks throughout the years. Uh, you could say that they held on to Tony Romo for a little bit too long. Uh, maybe, maybe. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I I think they'll end up paying him somehow. I don't think they're going to want to shell out the franchise tag money because that is a big hit for a guy who may not really be back next season. Um, yeah, he had surgery now. You know, looking at his recovery, you know, best case scenario, he's back in a year. Um, but if anything that I've seen, especially from the Alex Smith injury, uh, which is similar, but not, you know, just a little bit lower. Um, I, I think it's going to take him closer to that, you know, two year mark to come back uh, with that. I think that they're going to keep him in Dallas. You even when he comes back that guy's going to have something to prove. He's going to have that chip on the shoulder and he's going to come at you with everything he's got. And if we've still got the offensive pieces that we have now, boy, look out because what could happen is this year, if, if we manage to win the East this year, I'll be surprised. (laughs) Any, any hot takes? (laughs) Uh, Well, the good part is vision is absolute, you know, garbage this year too. So, you know, anything could happen, especially with that extra wild card spot. Yeah, uh, that's that's very true. I would love to see us get some defensive pieces in the draft. Um, 
but I mean, you can't discount a quarterback. It all it all rides on Andy Dalton's shoulders, and I think that the Jones family is going to end up paying Dak some money to keep him in Dallas. Um, I don't think it's going to be that thirty-seven million. Man, if he could have finished this year out healthy, I think oh. you pay him thirty-seven million dollars. Man, that I don't, I don't. He, he had what three interceptions going into into the Giants game. Man, I. How do you, how do you, in what, over 1,800 yards or something like that? Yes, right? the historic yardage really mm-hmm. was sticking to me. Yeah. I'm telling you right there, that is a man that is carrying a team. That is the definition of carrying a football team. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And so you get him back, you got to ride with him. And especially how the Jones family does, you'll ride it until you probably shouldn't anymore. So. I think you pay him. I don't think it's under the franchise tag, but you got to keep him around because this setback, boy, I can just imagine the day that Dak Prescott walks back onto the field in Jerry World, man, he's going to light it up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, luck. I mean, here's the thing. I, I know it was gruesome. Luckily it was a leg injury and it's one that players have recovered from in the past. Uh, LaShawn McCoy actually had a similar leg injury in high school. Uh, Alan Hearns, who one time was a Dallas Cowboy, you know, same, similar, similar deal. (laughs) Um, you know, uh, but yeah, it's been a recoverable injury. You know, people, players have come back and luckily it wasn't to the most valuable part that Dak needs his throwing arm. So, you know, luck, if you can get some mobility back, you know, he'll be back, I think in full shape in no time. It did, it looked ugly, but it sounded like the surgery went, really well so i'm assuming that he's going to be to full strength by next year at at least if not you know halfway through next year if they want to slow the recovery table now i'm going to play this a little different because i agree with tony they should pay him whether it's a whether it is a franchise tag whether it's a full contract but i'm going to look at this kind of this devil's advocate worst case scenario so you're jerry jones this year your defense is looking like hot garbage. It's the dumpster. It it only it had to somehow it had to somehow claw its way and win a game by three, giving up 34 to the New York Giants. Who, let's just be honest, you know, New York City is not a hot place for football right now. It, it New Rutherford, New Jersey is it's barren not only for COVID reasons, but I imagine fans really wouldn't want to go right now if I was a fan <laughs> out there too. Uh, yeah. So you gave up 34 to the Giants. I'm Jerry Jones. I'm a guy that, you know, I've, I've shelled out money in the past to stars, but I've also looked back and he likes to do long-term deals to spread the cap space out. So if I'm looking to maybe build that defense and I'm this is again, this is the worst case scenario. So bear with me. Andy Dalton somehow comes out and he has a Ryan and Tannehill comeback player of the year season. And you have all those weapons already on offense established. They're young. They're either they're young. They're paid for, you know, or you can draft and replenish what is missing, which there's not much missing in Dallas. Let's be frank. That offense is stacked. The mm. defense needs some help. So say you go on, you win the division, and maybe you happen to pick off a game in the playoffs. And Andy Dalton looks decent, good. Teddy Bridgewater efficient is what I would call it. Mm-hmm. So what happened to Teddy Bridgewater this year? He gets a sizable, but not too unsizable contract. Andy Dalton, say he does that, 
and say you can find a way to make it work out, you know, worst case scenario, Dalton gets a little bit of a chunk of change. A lot of that extra money that the dispute was between Dak and the front office goes to the defense. The Cowboys get well-rounded and maybe you move on. I mean, look, I mean, I'm only saying this as, as the worst case, but I mean, if I'm looking at Tennessee right now, Ryan Tannehill's uh, playing up to his contract right now. You know, Andy Dalton wasn't too long ago that he had MVP style numbers and the Cincinnati Bengals stripped away a lot of his pieces as the years went by on the line and his production went down because he kept getting hit. Dallas has a much more stable line, not as much stable as recently, but still pretty stable. But that is the worst case if I'm Jerry Jones as I'm evaluating. The real good person to me and the one that says don't be a moron is give Dak Prescott money. But you can't ignore what could potentially happen just because, you know, it's happened in in last year to two years. I'm just saying it's there. But the smart decision, in my opinion, give Prescott at least a year with a good amount of money to say prove that you're healthy. That didn't sound like a too worst case scenario. It's worst case for Dak, but you know if the red rifle comes out and he's slinging, man, I'm not gonna be upset. If we're winning with Andy Dalton under center, I'm gonna take this season as a win. Eight and eight, absolutely. <laughs> eight and eight's a win. Okay, I dig it. <laughs> I, I I really do like that point. Um, not the eight and eight part. Um, <laughs> but no, that it totally does make sense because. Um, if I do remember correctly, Dak was a later round pick, a third or fourth round pick in mm-hmm. 2016. So what what would a few years of building a defense be if you could snag a later round quarterback that wasn't talked about as much like Dak in in a few years? What I mean, plug and play him, and then. When he see it, it's pretty much like the same cycle over and over and over again. But your your defense is more well rounded now, and you have a you'll maybe you'll have a young quarterback or something along those lines. I I I like that a lot. I originally was gonna say pay the guy, which he he deserved his money. I, he should have got it last year and every penny worth, because he proved it year. Year after year, and people were doubting him. Oh, he can't, he can't get to the playoffs. He can't do this and that. And he has. I knew it was going to get to this point. People weren't talking about it. He's going to get injured. He's going to get injured, and it is a fluke that it happened. And now I'm. I know Jerry Jones is probably picking his words to his liking, but he's probably happy he doesn't have to pay Dak what he thinks he should get, even though he has plenty of money. But I I absolutely love that defensive idea because they absolutely need it. <clears throat> yeah, the yeah. only fear I have with that is that, uh, you know, you move on from Dak and then uh, he ends up somewhere in the division and then I end up seeing him twice a year and he ends up crushing our spirits. Right. Yeah, because someone, someone's going to pay him. You know, he deserves the money. Right. It's yeah. just that, you know, if my thought is, too, is if Jerry Jones was so stingy with the cash then, what mm-hmm. what is going to argue me? I mean, yeah, he hit, 
yeah, Dak had the leg injury, but also Dak also was putting up insane numbers before that injury, and there's history behind that recovery. So what makes me think that that's going to change anytime soon? You know, I'm I'm just saying, like, maybe you can, if you're lucky, get him like a franchise deal and, you know, ship him off somewhere. Worst case scenario again, because I still think they should give him money. But, you know, that's got to be lingering. If I'm Jones, that's something that's right in the back of my head. It's like, man, if this uh, if this red rifle guy goes off, <laughs> maybe I got something and I got some money. <laughs> you know, Not like he already has the most valuable franchise or the most valuable sports team in the world, mind you. Yeah. He yeah. holds that. Make so, sure you get that strap. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he's he's strapped for cash, but obviously he still wants to play his uh, hand in the deal, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, look, it's funny, man. We've had so much for the conversation. We're kind of I running out of time in the case of uh, at least the length. I feel bad. Um, kind of let's let's get into at least one more question here, guys. I, I had a few more, but um, one in particular, and this is more recent that I, I'm really curious about. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was let go by the New York Jets. Uh, as we mentioned, New York football anywhere right now, whether it whether it is the Giants or the Jets in the NFL, that is, it's a dumpster fire. Random fun fact: the XFL's New York Guardians are the last one to win a home game in MetLife Stadium, and that was back in the spring. Still hasn't uh, seen a winner in some time. Uh, but the Jets let go of Le'Veon Bell, mostly from disgruntlement between him and the head coach. I wonder how that happened. Um, I mean, it is Adam Case, <laughs> after all, one of the most competent head coaches in the NFL, running the 0-5 <laughs> New York Jets. Uh, so Bell's let go. He famously held out for a contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers and then got a nice chunk of change from the Jets, was let was now released early, and has basically said that he's ready to get back at it and prove people wrong. There's a lot of options, I think, for Bell. I don't know how much money he'll get, but... Um, you know, off the top of our heads here, uh, and I'll start with Michael with this one. Where is your ideal choice for Le'Veon Bell to land? So this was a surprise to me, <laughs> but, but this also calls for a surprise reunion. Oh yeah. Yeah. Saying, bring him back. Bring him back to the steel city. <laughs> He's going back. <laughs> bring him back. And, and this is why I say that. Cause I mean, when he was when he was put back on the trading block a few years ago, Pittsburgh was definitely and reportedly one of the teams that were going to snag him off the market. Just didn't happen, obviously. Right, but, right. But it wouldn't come as a shock for me if the Steelers were gonna ring the bell this time around. Nobody, <laughs> you, Nobody? I would be. Dang. <laughs> I would be shaking my head so hard. <laughs> to me that kind of like that just makes me think it's like a him crawling back on hands and knees going please i was i was wrong well no <laughs> not not if he's wanting to go back there if they want him back there there's okay, been well, no reports all yet. right well they want him back. hear me hear me out hear me out yeah yes his exit from the Steelers was not pretty no no but there's no denying his success that he had in in pittsburgh like like he he averaged 1,300 yards from scrimmage and mm-hmm. seven touchdowns in his five years that he was there with them. Like, and you can't have enough depth at the running back position, guys. Like, I know James Con- Connor has kind of been fighting through injuries off and on, and 
they don't really have the depth behind him. I know they have, I think it's Benny still or Benny, Benny's. Yeah. Yeah. They have him back there, but I mean, they, I mean, they don't really have anybody else. And if they can bring him back for not a whole lot or a prove it deal to see if he still can do it in that offense, which he has proven in the past. Yep. Like, yep. I mean, they're going to have Steelers fans saying, here we go. You know what I'm saying? So, Man. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is, you're here you go, and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's my bold take. So, just be prepared when you guys see the, when you guys see the notification that he's going back to Steel City. Yeah, you're killing me. <laughs> you're killing me. Oh man, I, Jesus, Tony, I, I don't, I'm assuming from your, from what you sound like, it's not Pittsburgh that's on your mind. <laughs> Zach, I'm gonna actually let you go first because I I got some I got a hot take coming. So all right, all right, all right. That's fine. That's fine. I I'll I'll go with one. I'll go with one that's a little more what I was thinking. Look, at this point, I think he's trying to rebuild his stock. So I'm I kind of compare Le'Veon Bell right now to more of what Leonard Fournette's trying to do, where it's just trying to get on a team, try and get some reps. He's not been successful so far, uh, but at least try and get back and kind of redeem his identity and I at least think his reputation because I mean Bell's production's fallen off a lot but I think I also want to blame some of that on the Jets scheme they have uh, their blocking's been god awful but also there has been proof that he has not been up to snuff so I think he wants to go somewhere that he can get a legitimate shot um I think right now while you are waiting for one of your two one of your two very much all-star running backs to get healthy I think Cleveland wouldn't be a bad place for Le'Veon Bell to land. Uh, right now, Nick Chubb's, of course, uh, dealing with his own injury issues. I, if I remember right, it's an MCL sprain, I think is was the case. Um, mm-hmm. So, obviously, Kareem Hunt has done his fair share. But if I am the Cleveland Browns, I, I see Le'Veon Bell and I go, okay. So, Nick Chubb was already a kind of a dual threat running back, of course. Say we get Le'Veon Bell and we get him for... You know, just just a standard, maybe veterans minimum or something like that. Nothing too expensive, because I think that's all he's going to go for this year, at least until free agency of 2020 for 2021. You know, get him for a minimum contract, sign him on and right. Then you can basically plug and play him where you can rotate him with Kareem Hunt and you'll get him. I think an offense that's a lot more creative, a lot more open space that he can have and a lot better line in particular, a lot more Mm -hmm. running lanes that he can develop from and he can be patient with. As we have known, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he—it almost seems like he developed the uber, the extremely patient running style that we've seen that we have seen him that he specializes in. I mean, put him behind Cleveland's offensive line. I would love to see the results of that. And plus, if Nick Chubb comes back, you have a three-headed monster in the backfield of talent oh that is all made Pro Bowls that all can pass catch or run the ball effectively, and they're all under 30. I say that's a winner. Dang. In my yeah. opinion, and Baker Mayfield will probably be salivating just thinking that Cleveland could pick him up for cheap and make that work effectively. I think that's a great idea, and it'll be a great way for Bell maybe to get a little bit of revenge on the Pittsburgh Steelers if you are able to sign him soon enough. I like okay, it. interesting. I like it. So, Not as good as my Steelers one, but okay. <laughs> you, you do you, Michael. That's okay. Yeah, I will. I will. So originally I was going to say that he wasn't going to be picked up this season because he's a locker room cancer. 
Um, uh, yes. Because something about it with he was disgruntled in Pittsburgh and then he now he's disgruntled after a year or so in New York. And yes, whether that's on the coaching staff of Adam Gase, whether it's just because, you know, that remains to be seen. But part of me still thinks he's a cancer. As we were talking and as you were talking about, you know, this this season and especially um, in particular, a team that needs running back help. It popped into my mind that I think the Chicago Bears. Would I was benefit. resisting this. I was waiting for you to say that. I'm <laughs> resisting it, Tony. But go ahead. I was like you said, they, they lost Terry Cohen's down. David Montgomery's not that great of a running back. And if Le'Veon Bell comes in for a prove-it deal in Chicago, I think you've got a good spot for him. He's gonna get he's gonna get the reps there. It's it's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. would. But, I, I mean Matt Nagy Matt Nagy's a good player coach too. Uh yeah. I, I don't know, I worry about the attitude, I guess, is the thing. Mm. Would change with you know getting more reps, having a better line, you know having you know a, a better coach who you know believes in in that. Um, I know you didn't want to pick that because you know you didn't want to do the homer, you didn't want to get your hopes up. Yeah, so I'm yeah. gonna pick it for you. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I guess I mean I know you're not in particular the Cleveland guy, but I kind of guess picked the homer in case of where you live. So you know one trades off for another. That's fair. Yeah, I appreciate that. But the last thing I want to see is uh, some of these Browns fans go, well, now we got Le'Veon Bell. We're not, we're unstoppable. Super Bowl 19 and 0. That's the last thing I want to see. <laughs> Super Bowl 55 or bust out in Cleveland. Is that, is that what it would yeah. be? The, fi- the final piece to the uh, infinity gauntlet of the Cleveland Browns is Le'Veon Bell's <laughs> signing. Yeah. yeah. So we need, <laughs> need to do everything to keep that stone away. <laughs> I am now inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, look, I, I to wrap things up. Chicago. I mean, I will argue that Montgomery. I still think is the is of course the number one. But if you did do Bell, Chicago's run run blocking is a little suspect. But I think Bell's style of running fits the Bears' offense better. Just for the fact that Bell is a lot more patient and hitting a hole than David Montgomery is. So mm-hmm. I think that could work in theory and I would not have a problem with it as long as he just cooperates. Matt, Matt Nagy, I think is a better coach to play for is something I understand and something that I hear a lot when I at least read in or listen in on the Chicago bears players love the guy. And I think if you have someone like Le'Veon Bell join up with someone like Matt Nagy, who, you know, understands what his players want and his player, his players needs that could work. I just maybe I'm just saying that being a little iffy because of just like, you know, to re, I respect the respect out of David Montgomery for me. Um, and also the Bears signed Lamar Miller to the practice squad, but they haven't even upgraded him. So I'm like, what's up with that? You know, I, you know, so I'm like waiting on that. But like if you got Le'Veon Bell, he would jump Lamar Miller anyway, and you could just dump Lamar Miller. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 I see what you're saying. And I, yes, I was resisting the hell out of trying to use that one. <laughs> But damn it, it came up anyway. And, you know, I'm going to be watching to see if the Bears even talk. Because they have $10 million in cap. They could afford him easily, even if he wanted a little extra change. I don't think he deserves that extra change. But, you know, he's tried talking in the past. Maybe he will this time. Who knows? 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did have another question on the docket, but guys, like I said, we it's been a pretty packed episode anyway, and we had a lot to unpack between Dallas, between Atlanta. You know, there's a lot there's a lot of stuff there. Um, and really, that's that's about it for the episode. I'm gonna obviously I'll give you guys the final word as I always do. I'd feel like I'd be doing a disservice. Um, but yeah, I mean that's this is it's coming up tight. You know, I've, a lot of stuff we had to discuss today. Uh, Tony, you get the first of the final word for this evening. Um, the floor is yours, my friend. All right. Once again, gotta thank you, Zach, because being on this is actually a very big highlight. You know, and now that we've got a consistent like recording time down, man, it's going to be even more so. Um, so thank you for having us on for, for first and foremost. I appreciate it. I wasn't uh, expecting that. wasn't expecting that. I thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, secondly, uh, as always, I haven't written in a little bit, um, but I'm going to plug myself on my own blog, El Tigre. Um, there's been a few times where I've kind of picked up uh, – picked it up to kind of write something, but I haven't published anything. So I need to get back on that. It's just been a real busy last couple of weeks. Um, and thirdly, just to leave everybody with a reminder that you man, you receive what you put out into the world. So if you need to manifest good vibes, just keep focusing on those and they'll eventually come to you. I like that. Michael, you have the floor now, my friend. All right. Well, I just, um oh i'm also thankful for this podcast as well i don't mean to just piggyback off that but i i truly am it's it's always fun i always look forward to uh talking football not just with anybody but with especially with you guys and um it keeps me involved in the sport and wanting to learn more and um research more and whatever it is with the sport i'm i'm into it and uh just thank you for that first off. And then, um, I'm just, uh, just grateful and thankful for, uh, my life right now and what I envision it to be in the future. And, um, I know that we will continue to do this and, uh, talk about football wise and, um, hopefully we can eventually have a live video or conversation mm-hmm. on know. on here that'd be pretty cool um just a just a thought i think that'd be pretty cool just to have our um all our minds in one room and feeding off of each other whatever it might be in the near future and uh just just thankful and grateful to be alive and enjoying life I'm I'm glad to hear it from you, Michael, and thank thank you both by the way for the kind words. It's appreciate appreciate. It. I'm always happy to do these episodes, and especially now that we do it every two weeks. Is like I mentioned at the beginning, and I'll say it again. Every two weeks we are doing this, and I enjoy being on here with Tony and Michael. You know, it's great to talk football conversation and get kind of just perspective from different, of course, fandoms that I of course don't always get every day. You know, so. Um, you know, and of course, these are my, some, some good buddies, of course, that I've known for some time. So it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I, I appreciate doing these episodes and we get to do them now every two weeks, which by the way, next one will be week seven. So this one was for recapping of week five. So you'll get our week six and seven recaps coming up in two weeks from now, again, on Fridays, as I've mentioned, Friday will be the days of release for every future episode of ground gallery. And you 
can find those releases and get notifications on those on social media. You can find that for the Great Iron Gallery podcast social media. That is at ZK Podcast, wherever you go. That is at Z-K-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Also on social media, you can find myself, Tony, and Michael. Uh, Tony and I are definitely on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Michael is on Facebook and Instagram. Not on Twitter, but that's okay. Uh, you know, we like our own social media. No big deal. Um, but you can find us a lot of places and follow our football takes and such as wherever you go. And especially for other things that we do, such as Tony with his El Tigre blog, which I recommend you check out some of his writings. They are very much entertaining and very thought provoking, as I would say. Um, also, be sure to check out and subscribe to Unhinged Sports Network. That is where we are broadcasting the live version that you are hearing right now, possibly. Uh, that will be on Twitter and Facebook, also on Instagram, and this airs every time, 11 a.m. Fridays, and 8 p- that is Eastern and 8 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, for Tony Stanielson, Michael Grimberg, I'm Zach Kyleman saying so long. Thank you once again for tuning in, as always, and stay tuned.